0: So you can follow along with us. Revelation 13. There, getting there. All right, let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for gathering us to be with you this morning. Thank you for that amazing promise that you've given us, that as we draw near to you, that you draw near to us. May we experience um, your presence, your personal touch this morning upon our lives, our marriages, our homes, corporately as your bride, as your children that we would experience a fresh work of your spirit in this place today. Lord, we need to hear your voice. So many voices, again, just trying to get our attention, our affection. But really, we need to hear your voice above every other voice. For you said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So Lord, may we hear your voice now. Speak to our hearts, help us to correctly divide your word, to correctly apply it in our lives that we might bring you glory. And so we thank you for the great things you're going to do this morning. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, your precious and your holy name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. All right, so um, just by way of reminder, chapters six all the way through chapter 19, Um, We are looking at future events, right? Specifically a time period, a seven-year time period known as the tribulation period. I do not believe we will be here as Christians on planet Earth at that time. I believe Jesus is coming as he said he would for his church. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Revelation 3.10, Jesus told the church, he said, you've kept my word to persevere to keep on trusting, to keep on following me, and I'm going to keep you from the very hour of trial that will come upon this whole world. What is the means? It's Jesus coming for us, the rapture of the church. And so that seven-year period is going to be so gnarly, so heavy, um, and we've studied that. We've seen that, haven't we, the judgments that will happen on planet Earth? There's three sets of judgments right? It begins with the seal judgments, and then the, what was next? Trumpet Trumpet judgments, and then finally, we're going to get to them, the bowl bowl judgments that will happen. But we've also taken notice, we've studied these judgments that in between and and mixed around, um, there's been some some breaks, some intermissions, if you will, some uh, commercial breaks, where we are given more information And more insight on what's going on during the tribulation period. In fact, um, we've been in a parenthetical break or a pause or an intermission from chapter 12 all the way through chapter 14. And we are being introduced to key figures, key personages um, that will be on the scene or um, active during the tribulation period. Remember, last week, um, we were introduced to the Antichrist. The Antichrist, the final world ruler of the entire globe and his empire. Before Jesus comes back, Revelation chapter 19, he will come back and set up his kingdom. He will wipe out the Antichrist and all his followers, and Jesus will set up his kingdom on earth. How long is that for again? A thousand years, also known as the millennial reign of Christ, that's right, very important uh, to, to, to make that uh, understanding. We're going we're to learn more about that as we move through Revelation, but also on Wednesday night when we get to the prophets, we will learn a lot about um, our Lord's um, reign on earth. It's going to be glorious. I can't wait, because we come back with them, correct? What are we riding on? White Harleys, what did you say? Not Harleys. White horses cruising back, right, with our Lord. How awesome that's going to be when he sets up his kingdom and allows us the privilege to share and take part in that kingdom because of what Jesus did for us on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And so, chapter 13, we were introduced to two beasts. Last week, the first beast, the Antichrist. Um, And then this week, um, in in chapter 13, verse 11 through 18, the second beast... Again, these are the two human instruments that Satan will use um, during the tribulation period, the Antichrist and the false prophet, to accomplish his um, demonic plans and purposes, um, deceiving people, enslaving people, and destroying people's lives. And we're going to see that this morning. Jesus said the thief comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that what? That we would have life. And life abundant, correct? And isn't that what happens when we follow the Lord? Not easy street. Not that it's not difficult, but there is life. We see Him work in our lives and in our marriages and um, in in beautiful ways. And so, let's begin in chapter thirteen, verse eleven through eighteen. We'll read through, see what God's word says this morning. We're told in verse eleven, then I saw another beast. Who's I, by the way? Who's speaking? John the Apostle. He says, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that even he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast whose wound who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Six, six. And I'm sure probably all of us have heard that number before, haven't we? Listen, can I just encourage you this morning, don't trip out if you ever have that on your credit card or (laughs) let you get a bill in the mail. Oh, no. Because there's some people that do, they just trip out, man. If you take the beast, you are willingly making a choice, if you take this mark, to reject Jesus Christ and to pledge your allegiance to the Antichrist, to worship and follow him. But as we move into this section, we're going to see that this false prophet, if you will, he uses deception, among other things, um, to accomplish the devil's purposes along with the Antichrist. Last week, we saw part of the Antichrist's um, uh, tactics is deception. How many of you guys have been? You don't need need to show hands. How many of you guys have been deceived? Have you been deceived? Anybody here? Anybody here not been deceived ever? Probably all of us. At some point, maybe deceived, ripped off. Has guys have been ripped off, deceived by someone. How's it feel? Horrible. Horrible. It's not cool, is it? Some of us, I don't mean to make light of that, some of us have been ripped off a lot, big time. I mean, we have people that have come to our church that have come out of cults that they were deceived and ripped off for years and then they come and they start to hear God's word and they're set free and it's glorious the freedom that our Lord gives us and that is made available to us but think about this we, we protect ourselves from a lot of stuff don't we do you guys protect your homes do you guys lock your houses some of you have alarm systems maybe cameras what about the little doorbell thing that has the camera anybody have that is it ring is that what it's called or google is it, what is it Ring. Ring. You use that too, don't you? To protect your home. Some of us... <laughs> got your... All got, right? Amen. You got your nine. Yeah. See? You got your nine. You got your whatever. Your... <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> your pea shooter. Why? To protect from getting ripped off. Protect from getting harm happening to you, right? Physically, some of us are computers. You guys have protection on your well, Macs don't. So, you PC people, right? We protect our computers, don't we? I think the encouragement. Where are you going with this, Mike? I'm going to bring it around. In that. We do all of that to protect temporal, physical things. We invest so much. But the encouragement this morning and the application will be for us this morning is how much are we doing to protect ourselves spiritually from the deception that is out there, from the false teaching, from the false prophets? It's a danger. And we are all, listen, we are all in danger of being deceived if we don't stay close to Jesus, stay in the word and in prayer and applying it in our lives. This is so crucial. And so I got the application out before we get to the Bible study. Let's get the order right here. Look what it says in verse 11. So John sees what? Another beast coming up out of the earth. And, and that word beast means wild, dangerous animal. But we know that he's speaking figuratively here, and it speaks of the character of this person, um, the beast. And we're going to find out later that the beast is, is this beast, the, another beast, is the false prophet. But notice that word another. That, that word in the Greek means another of the same kind. So he cut out of the same cloth as the Antichrist. In other words, just as evil, just as diabolical, just as deceptive and destructive the Antichrist is, so is the false prophet. And so, but here's the deal. It's an actual person, but here's the deal. We know what's going to happen to him in the Antichrist. We know as we work our way through, not only both of them were willing candidates for Satan's work, saying, yes, I'll do whatever you want, but they will end up in the lake of fire for all eternity along with those who reject the free gift of eternal life found in Jesus Christ. And so notice it also says something else here in this verse. It says, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. We learned last week the antichrist comes up out of the where? Out of the sea. And and some believe that speaks of the Mediterranean Sea, out of humanity. Some believe land coming out of the land, or your Bible may say out of the earth. Some believe that speaks of Israel, the land, if you will. I don't know personally. In any event, this is a real person. He's known as the false prophet, and he completes the the, the false or counterfeit trinity that will be on the scene at this time, at work at this time. There's a counterfeit father, With the devil, there's a counterfeit son with the antichrist, and there's a counterfeit Holy Spirit with the false prophet. And so, what does this beast look like? Look what it says to me. On his head were two horns like a lamb. And I just want to remind you remember, when we see horns in scripture, it often refers to power or to strength, Um, they're symbolic of power. He will have the appearance of innocence. The appearance of being harmless, like a lamb, but he's so he's disarming, but he's deadly. He causes people to feel at ease, but his plan is to deceive. And we're going to see he deceives by appearance, he deceives by his words, and he deceives by doing signs and wonders as well. And so notice how he speaks. He spoke, what does it say, spoke like a... Who's the dragon? Satan. Satan. Remember? false prophet speaks like the devil. If that's the case, how does the devil speak? Well, we learn in, in, in that same chapter that he is the accuser of the brethren. He makes accusations. He slanders. We also know he lies, correct? He lies and deceives. Didn't Jesus say something about him? Along those lines, if you're taking notes, John chapter 8, I'm going to read it. Oh, this is like heavy words that he was, Jesus was sharing with the religious uh, leaders, people there. He said, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Why? Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So number one, he speaks how. So how's the false prophet gonna speak? He's gonna tell lies. Number two, here's another way that Satan speaks. We know that in or what he uses, uh, the language he uses, the tactics he uses. If you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians. I'm going to flip there and read it real quick. He fosters unforgiveness and grudges. Did you guys catch that? He fosters unforgiveness and grudges. Can I just encourage you this morning, if you have unforgiveness this morning or a grudge this morning, can I encourage you to leave it at the foot of the cross? Don't allow that to fester. Love holds no record of wrongs. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Can I encourage you to choose, choose to forgive this morning, give it to the Lord. Why? Because this is a tactic of the devil. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, um, verse 10, he said, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are, we are not ignorant of his devices. Did you catch that? We are not to be ignorant of that. If there's unforgiveness or bitterness, that's what the enemy wants to use to foster that in our lives against one another. That's a tactic of the devil. It's going to be a tactic also of the false, uh, the false prophet as well. The, the devil also twists and perverts God's word and God's character. If you go all the way back, remember the serpent of old, all the way back to Genesis chapter... Genesis chapter 3, right? How did Satan come? How did he come to Eve? Subtly, right? Subtly, craftily, deceitfully. It also means sensibly. Isn't that interesting? It also means sensibly. In other words, he told her, he he tells us whatever you want to hear. Here you go. Did God really say that? Wasn't that the first question that the devil posed to Eve? The questioning of God's word Did God realize, you're not going to die if you do that. Liar, liar, pants on fire. God said it. God said it would roll out that way. He's holding back from you. He's keeping you from your happiness. He's keeping you from your best life now. I'll take you to a place you never dreamed of, and that's what he will do when you go down that trail. He slanders God to man and man God is another way that he communicates. So the false prophet will do that as well. He speaks just like the dragon. Um, he accuses Christians. He deceives. He promotes false doctrine. If you're taking notes, Revelation 2 24, 1 John 4, he, he um, denies the incarnation of Jesus Christ as well, the Father and the Son. And so the point is what? What's the, what's the point you're trying to make, Mike? This false prophet uses words to turn people away from God. And I would say this morning, we are susceptible to deception. Remember the church in Corinth? They were a gifted church. They were a well-taught church. The Apostle Paul was there, right? Ministered for a while, poured into them. Apollos was there also, a well-taught church. In Paul's second letter to them, remember what he said to the church? He was fearful of the direction that they were headed. And he said in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul's like, I'm afraid for you guys. I'm concerned for you. And that, that should be any pastor's heart, by the way, is that you're getting, you may get deceived or corrupted in your mind by the devil because that's what he wants to do. In fact, Paul went on to say, because of the false teaching that was, that was creeping into the church, he said, listen to this, same chapter, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. And you know, you think about Adam and Eve, and they got deceived before sin even entered into the picture. perfect before sin even entered in they were deceived think about how heavy that is in the presence of the lord the presence of the lord with them and then think about even before that the devil took how many how many did he deceive and take with him how many angels a third of the angels from the presence from the presence of god in in heaven The beauty, the perfection, the glory. And he was able to deceive a third of the angels. And Paul says here in 1 Corinthians, he says, I'm concerned. I am concerned for you. In fact, Jesus said the first thing he said in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, do you remember what he said? The first thing Jesus said to his committed followers was what? Do not be deceived. Why? Because many will be deceived. Many false Christs will arise, false teachers will arise, and many will fall. Isn't that amazing? Many? Many will end up following those that promote false teaching, false doctrine. In fact, let me remind us of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. Didn't Jesus say something about false prophets? We're studying about the false prophet. Remember what he said about false prophets? He said, beware of... Rottweilers, what did he say? Beware of what? Beware of false prophets who come to you. This is, if you're taking notes, Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing... But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. Isn't that interesting? How do they come? They come looking like sheep, like smelling like sheep. And that's us, aren't we? God's be- the Bible likens us to sheep, correct? Is the Bible liken us to sheep, yes. Sheep of his pasture, sheep of his hand. Jesus is the good shepherd. Beware of false prophets, those who claim to be speaking for the Lord. They look like sheep, but there's a big difference, isn't there? You guys ready for biology 101 this morning? Did you do good in biology, Mike? No, I did terrible, but I know this. Sheep eat grass. Wolves eat sheep. One more time. You guys ready? Sheep eat grass. Wolves eat sheep. Real, really simple, isn't it? They come, so false prophets, they come in sheep's clothing. They look the part, right? Just like Judas. We talked about Judas last week. And everybody fooled. Listen, when Satan came in the garden, I, didn't think he, I don't think he came like dressed all goth and muha. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Angel of light. Yes. Oh, so beautiful and so charming so slick heavy wolves and sheep's clothing but inwardly they are what What does it say ravenous or ravening wolves and every time elsewhere in the New Testament ravening is used it's used for extortion taking isn't that what people do when they deceive they want to take from you they're trying to get something from you that's what's happening, but Jesus said you'll know them by their you'll know them by their fruits. And so, what's the deal? Someone claiming to be speaking for God, sharing the truth, don't give weight to their appearance. Don't give weight to their eloquence, don't give weight to how mesmerizing and wooing and wowing they are with what they're saying. Judge them how? By their fruits. Whoa, time, time. We can't didn't Jesus begin the chapter saying, judge not lest you be judged? Absolutely. We're not to judge to condemnation, but we are to judge for identification. Right? Don't throw your pearls before the piggies, right? Does that take a judgment? Yes or no? Does that take a judgment if it's a pig or not? Same way with wolves and sheep's clothing. Judge them by their fruits, what they say and not how they say it. What's the content of the message and how they live their lives. Take a look at how they live their lives is what Jesus is saying. And so, listen, there is truth and Jesus is the truth. Does this look like Jesus? Does this sound like Jesus? Jesus said when he prayed in John 17, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We are able to line up and to test everything with the word of God. God has not left us as orphans. He's given us the Holy Spirit who does what leads us into all truth and guides us into all truth. And I would say this morning, listen, if you are not in the word regularly and in connection with the Lord daily, you are in danger of being deceived. How can you say that, Pastor? No way. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know my heart. You know how I know. Remember Joshua? Remember Joshua? Remember the dude who led the children into the promised land? You guys remember that cat? Joshua chapter 9. Right? They come into the promised land. Miraculously, the Jordan shuts down for a while. Right? They cross in. They are taking dames, they're wiping people out, right? And then all of a sudden, all these ites, the Hivites, Durgishites, termites, I don't know the rest of the ites, some kind of ites, they're like, we're going to team up and we're going to take them down. We're going to make a confederacy. And yet there's this one crew of people named the Gibeonites. You can check it out later. Chapter 9, Joshua. And the Gibeonites, it's interesting because it says that they worked craftily or subtly. Isn't that interesting? Depending on your translation. They worked craftily or subtly, just like the serpent of old. The Gibeonites were a bunch of con men. So they came up with a plan. Hey, what we need to do, if you can't beat them, join them. Here's what we're going to do. We'll go into the camp. We'll get on our old clothes, our old Levi's, torn Levi's. Put on our old Birkenstocks, right? The oldest ones you got. Put dirt on our heads, dirt on our faces. Get the oldest, nastiest bread we can find. And we'll travel into their camp and we're going to make a deal with them. And we'll tell them we've come from a far land. Look at our clothes. Check out our bread. And that's what they did. They pulled into the camp, and there's Joshua. Joshua was a man of God, wasn't he? Yes. Was he a man of God's word? Yes. Man of prayer? Yes. Hey, absolutely. And so here comes this crew, the Gibeonites, right? They pull in, again, looking all ragtag, all worn out, they taking deep breaths when they got there. Oh, we finally made it. Total drama, melodrama. And Joshua and the crew are like, where are you guys from? Oh, we traveled, by, we traveled from miles and miles and miles away because we've heard about your God and what he's done. We've heard about the miraculous deliverances, the miraculous victories, and we want a part of this. We want to we join you. We want to be part of your team. And something smelled funny right? It was a little off. And isn't that what happens with deception? I was like, man, it's, it just doesn't seem right, but it looks so good. It looks so right. Looks right on. How could they be lying? Look at their clothes. Look at the bread. And what's so interesting is they took the provisions from them. Oh, let's look at this. Let's inspect the bread but it says they didn't ask counsel of the Lord. Isn't that telling? Isn't that an eye-opener? They did not ask counsel of the Lord. And what happened? Let's sign a peace deal. Let's make a treaty. Let's unite life with these people. And then remember what happened? It was three days later... If they would have just waited three days, sought the Lord, prayed, got in the Word, what they've been doing, this whole ruse—ruse—is is, that what it is? is That's the word, ruse, rouse, ruse. This whole con job, this phoniness, would have been exposed. But they didn't wait upon the Lord and seek His counsel. Do you know the Lord wants to give us counsel yes. <laughs> to seek His counsel? to seek his face. And here's Joshua. That's why I'm making such a big deal about this. I'm just as susceptible as you're susceptible. If we are not men and women of God's word and in daily fellowship with the Lord, we are open to deception. And not only that, can I remind us, if we're not being doers of the word, we're also susceptible to deception. If you're taking notes, I'm going to read it. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 if we are not applying God's word, if we're playing lip service, we're in danger, man. Remember, there's like six or seven warnings in the book of Hebrews. This one's about dullness. If you're dull, if you got something that's dull, it doesn't what? It doesn't cut right. (laughs) It's not sharp. Sharp. It's not being used as it should be used. The warning's against dullness here. Verse 12. The author, I think it's Paul, says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle's Of God. In other words, to go back, you need to go back to the basics. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Why? For he is a babe. And listen, when we see babe in this context, it's not like what a hottie they are. (laughs) You're a hottie. Super cute. It's in diapers. Right? He's like saying, by this time, you should have been out of diapers. You should be moving forward with the Lord, being skilled with the Word of God, being able to communicate those simple truths to the people that come in contact with you or who are in your sphere of influence. And he says, look at the next verse. This is so telling. He says, but solid food... Belongs to those who are of full age. Or some of your Bibles may say maturity. What does that mean? What does maturity look like? It says, right? The answer is right in the text. That is, those who by reason of use, what does reason of use mean? What's that? Put it into practice. That's right. Those who put into practice the word of God, what does it say? Those who by reason of use have their Senses, exercise, is that what it says? To discern between what? Good and evil. Are you guys tracking with me still this morning? This is so crucial. If we are applying the word, so we hear the Bible study on Sunday morning, right? Or you're in the Bible on tomorrow morning, you have your devotional, spend time with Jesus, you're at the feet of Jesus, and He ministers to your heart. When we walk in that, what begins to happen? We're able to discern between good and evil. What's right, what's wrong. What's good, what's bad. What's truth, what's error. So it's not just knowing the word of God. Listen, there's plenty of people that know the word up here, but they don't put it into practice and they get deceived. They get ripped off. Who? Who? Name one person. How about the Pharisees? correct yes why are you making such a big deal about we've only done one verse pastor what's the matter with you because I, listen i am it, it breaks my heart i have seen so many casualties in ministry people getting ripped off and it's like how in the world did that happen and, and you know again it can happen to any one of us i'm exhorting myself We must guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And so this false prophet will deceive not only with appearance, not only with words, but look at verse 12. Are we finally getting back to Revelation? We are. And he, the false prophet, what does he do? He exercises all the authority of the first beast In his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And so, notice with me about this false prophet that's going to be on the scene during the tribulation. He what? Notice what he does. He has the same influence and power as the Antichrist. And remember with me, we learned it's the dragon, the devil, that is empowering and energizing these guys. And so how does he exercise his authority? Look at two things in that verse. He causes the earth, interesting, and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. The false prophet influences who? The world, the earth, and everyone who belongs to the earth, those who dwell in it, to worship the Antichrist. Remember this term, earth dwellers, or those who dwell on the earth, they are the ones that are not receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but they're the ones who what? Who choose to live for the things of this earth, to live for the world, to live for the material things, the temporal things of this life, the things that they're gonna put in and put on. They're living on simply the animal plane. They never get above that. They're just simply living for their flesh. And sadly, it's, that, you, that term is used over and over and over again, that they're going to get deceived, that they're going to end up rejecting the Lord and taking the mark of the beast. And so, once again, notice also with me, it's mentioned that the Antichrist was brought back to life somehow, by the devil himself. That deadly wound was healed. And we're going to see that also used over and over and over again. Was it miraculous? Was it smoke and mirrors? How this, how this Antichrist came back from the dead? I don't know, but it's such a big deal. It's such a big deal that the whole world chooses to follow this guy. It's such an influencing factor. It causes everyone to follow, and not only follow, but notice it says to worship to worship him. So just as the Holy Spirit points us to who? Who does the Holy Spirit point you and I to? Jesus. To Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus in our lives, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit? Yes. The Comforter. Our Teacher. So just like the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus Christ... The false prophet will point everybody to the Antichrist and to cause the Antichrist to be worshipped. And so this is heavy. To me, this is so heavy because we're worshippers, aren't we? are worshipers are not we are not we worshipers? Yeah. That's, one, that's one, one way we're different than animals. You don't see animals getting together playing a little worship set and... Praise the Lord, right? We gather together, we worship. We give him thanks, praise. We offer our lives to him. But this is a mass deception and they're worshiping a man. You guys catch that? They are worshiping a man. You know what? That happens in the church today too. The, the worship of men... Sadly. And what happens is, men love it. Even to the point where they will deceive in order to get worship. Worship of man. And it's, isn't it crazy to worship us? Aren't we idiots? Me? I'm, that's a bad word, sorry. We say stupid stuff like that. Right? I said stu- another bad word, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> We do say stuff that's dumb and do stuff that's dumb. Just ask my kids. Oh wait a minute, Mike, doesn't didn't Paul say, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Don't forget that last part. To the extent I follow Jesus, follow me. We're to follow the Lord. We're not to worship a man, to follow a man. We are to follow th- Are you guys with me this morning? Cuz we're susceptible even in the church, sadly, even in the church today. People worshiping preachers and pastors and so forth. I just want to encourage us this morning. There's only one who's worthy of our worship, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it seems that this false prophet will be some type of a religious leader. And there's there's not only a movement towards a one-world government, there's a movement right now towards a one-world religious system also. It's un- undoubtedly, he will, he will probably, this false prophet, he will probably be the, the head of the world's religious system um, that's going on. It will probably be, b- be very ecumenical with all the religious systems of the world joined into one, holding hands, kumbaya, coexist, all that. And this guy will probably be heading it up. But there's going to be a big change in the middle of the tribulation. Three and a half years in, the Antichrist will go where? Into the rebuilt temple and demand to be worshiped as God. That'll put an end to that whole one world system. And, but everybody will turn and worship him and follow him. And so, and this image that we're going to read about in just a moment that will also be on the scene. And so notice in verse 13, he performs great signs. This false prophet will be able to do some incredible, miraculous stuff. Even he's even, look at verse 13, he's even able to bring down fire from above in front of everybody, like kind of like Elijah did in the Old Testament. And then in verse 14, notice, notice that phrase, and he deceives. He deceives. Right in front of the Antichrist, the false prophet is what? He's enabled to do signs and wonders, tricking who? The, those who dwell on the earth. The earth dwellers and this is satanic gang the false prophet promotes idolatry telling the unbelievers to do what to fashion some kind of image of the Antichrist and once again we're reminded that what that the Antichrist was killed and raised to life that seems to be a big selling point doesn't it in all of this apparently which gives validity to their schemes and so what do we learn? What's the, what's, the point? what's the final point for this morning for us about this dude? The false prophet performs signs and wonders. This guy uses signs and wonders to turn people away from God. He uses words to turn people away from God, and he uses his works, his signs and wonders, to turn people away from God in a deceptive way to point people to the Antichrist. Can I just remind us this morning that God is not the only one who works miracles? But God in his sovereignty does what? Sometimes allows the devil and the powers of darkness to perform supernatural stuff. We see it in Exodus, don't we? Remember the Pharaoh's magicians? Listen, just because someone does something supernatural doesn't mean it's from God. We Listen, you and I, we have to be extra discerning. We are called to test 1 John 4, 1, to test the spirits in 1 Thessalonians also, I think it's like what, chapter 6 or 5, somewhere in there? To test all things, hold fast that which is good. Signs are to do something, aren't they? They are to point us to the Lord. Wonders are to do something. They are to leave us in awe and wonder of the Lord, not in awe and wonder of a man or a movement or a church or whatever else. And sadly, we see it, don't we? We see believers that chase signs and wonders. There's Jesus' faces on a tortilla down in Monterey. We need to get down there. <laughs> what? Making you hungry. We'll get you out of here in a second. Seriously, I mean, we've... We ch- There's a lot of believers that follow signs and wonders. And here's the thing about signs and wonders. They do not create a lasting faith. Signs and wonders create a thirst for more signs and wonders. Greater signs, greater wonders. I got to do this. I got to see that. I got to go here. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. (coughs) You want your faith to grow... There's no shortcuts, gang. Are you with me? There's no, like, correspondence class. It's We have to be in the Word and allow the Word of God to be inside of us as well, to meditate upon the Word, to allow it a deep, rich place in our hearts and in our lives. Listen, but here's the deal. Signs and, one, signs and wonders do follow believers. I loved it last week. Two people got saved, first service, Hallelujah saw people, last time we had uh, Wednesday night when we had a time of, of uh, praying for the sick, a bunch of people got healed. Why doesn't God do it all the time? I don't know, but I thank him either way because his will, his ways are best. But signs and wonders, I can't believe we're out of time. How many verses, five? How do you know that? How do you, how do you know signs and wonders follow believers, Mike? Mark 16, I'm gonna read it real quick. Hope I didn't offend you about the tortilla, sorry. (laughs) I say stupid stuff, man. But we should be feeding on the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life that satisfies, not signs. Remember what Jesus said. He said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will, not, will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. We certainly saw that in the book of Acts. And then look at these last two verses. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. And what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of God. And then this is beautiful. And they went out. What did they do? Were they obedient to the word? They sure were. And preached everywhere. They began to share the good news with everybody. And we talk about the things we love, don't we? We talk about the things we love, don't we? We do. They're talking about the one that they love. They're talking about Jesus and what he's done. They preached everywhere, and this is so beautiful. The Lord working with them. Isn't that great? It's way different working for the Lord versus working with him. What did the Lord do? Confirming the word. Is that what it says? Is that what your Bible says? Is that what it says on the scoreboard here? Confirming the word. You know what that tells us? What were they preaching? What were they sharing? God's word. And Lord confirming the word with what? What does it say? Through the accompanying signs. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? It's like, just let the Lord do what he wants to do. Just be faithful to what? To share the good news. To share the word. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And so, what do we do? Just share. Allow the Holy, the Holy Spirit's already working on the other end. Amen. Amen? And in our lives, in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for this amazing passage, Lord. And God, I just pray for my precious brothers and sisters this morning, for myself, Lord, that you would keep us close to your heart. that we would know your word so well that we would be able to identify the junk, the counterfeits, the lies, the deception. As, it even, as even we see it ramp up so much around us, Lord. God, we need you. We need your help. Thank you for that example from Joshua, that reminder this morning, that we would always ask counsel from you. Forgive us, Lord, so often we, we fail to do that or we forget to do that. And you're so gracious and so good And as we look to you, that, Lord, you would help us. We realize apart from you, we can do nothing. That you'd fill us afresh. That truly rivers of living water would flow from our hearts. And that you would do what you want to do in us, through us, amongst us, for your glory. May we be built up on our most holy faith. Encouraged, strengthened this morning to keep on keeping on for you, Lord. So thank you. Thank you for that amazing reminder that you're the one working with us. We get to work with you. Thank you for sharing, Lord, your ministry with us. For making us your very own. And as we're still in an